You're listening to Chatterbox, brought to you by Cleveland Containers. Back for part two. Just been out for some lunch. Gavin had a Palmo, his first ever Palmo. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? It was lovely, but I'm feeling fake out. <laughs> Hot shot Palmo. Hot shot Palmo for your first ever Palmo. <laughs> Brave. I think I want to go back, going back into Stora and um, give people listening a bit more detail on actually what Stora is. So pitch Stora to us. If, so if we were if we were inquiring, looking mm-hmm. to get into Stora, what, what would you what would you say the key things are? I suppose the short pitch of Stora is that it's a self-storage platform that helps operators take online bookings and payments and automate all the billing and then have them run their, their facility. Yeah. And it's an all-in-one package that does all of that. Mm. I built Stora so that any self anybody who wanted to get into self-storage would have an instant website that allowed people to book and pay online that would automate all the invoicing and payment processing so that people didn't have to go in and raise invoices and chase after cars and that sort of stuff. Mm. So it was that and then managing the, the facilities, so setting up prices for units and seeing how it's performing. So that was that was like the initial store. That's what store did at the start. Mm. So it's still perfect for operators who want to get set up and want to kind of have everything all in one place. So like we sometimes I might do a demo with somebody and they say, yes, we want to go for it. And within one hour we have everything set up. So mm. you know they have a website online, people can come and book and pay. But over the past you know couple of years the product has evolved quite a bit. So most of our customers who come on now might be existing operators with uh, somewhere between half a million, maybe one and a half million pounds of revenue annually, and sometimes up to a couple of thousand containers or a couple of thousand units. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're more of a, an existing operator, more of a focus on like our checkout products, so we will allow any operator to really quickly let their customers book and pay online. Mm-hmm. We've, we've invested a lot in uh, enhancing the reporting functionality there. So, you know, if you've, got, if you've got 10 sites and if you've got different investors in different sites and you've got management and you need to report on a board. We're investing a lot in helping operators have a lot more around that. Normally, if, if I'm talking to, to customers or talking to somebody who's interested, yeah, yeah. the main thing we'll talk about is uh, how do you currently do your invoicing? And often one of the reasons people get in touch is because maybe they've been using whiteboards or, or spreadsheets or maybe an accounting package and it's just become a little bit hard to manage. So, you know, our, our invoicing system is fully automated and takes takes a lot of that pressure off there. And then we oft, often will have some people who say, look, you know, we realize now that we have to let people book online because, you know, we think we're missing leads. Mm-hmm. And so you know, then we talk about that as well. Those are two of the most common reasons we end up talking to people. We're investing a lot in continually innovating it. We want people to be able to take deposits, we want deposits. We want people to be able to upsell things. So, you know, £100 for a container. Uh, for an extra twenty pounds a month, you get twenty four twenty four seven access. So there's just different ways to differentiate um, your your product. It's called product segmentation. You can charge some some customers who want certain features more, but still have a low entry price for for the customers who are happy with that. So the goal there is to help customer help our customers who are, who are self storage operators yeah. to increase their revenue. That's good. We've got a lot of customers. We get lots of feedback. And you know, people saying, oh, "We need this, we need that," you know, and so we get lots of that. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. then I also have my own two sites, yeah. and I can see how that's going, and you know, look at Stora and see how you know how could Stora help my business to grow? Yeah, we're constantly evol- like evolving and investing and in, in doing that. Yeah, no, great. You speak to a lot of self-storage operators who are coming to look at getting into Stora, and probably speak about 
backroom process and stuff. What are your, what are some of the top mistakes you hear on a regular basis? And just so other people out there don't, don't head down that path. There's so much on demand in the UK that there are plenty of paths to success mm-hmm. <laughs> and there aren't that many to failure. Mm-hmm. One obvious one that I've seen a couple of times now is somebody comes to us and they want to open up storage in their town. Like, you know, my uncle in my town is Banbridge Self Storage. So it's called Banbridge Self Storage. Mm-hmm. Now, my uncle has had and has no intention of ever opening up a second site. So that's a perfectly good name. But, um, you know, there are people who open up that way and then once they realise what a nice business it is, they think, okay, I want a second or third site, but they, you know, they've bought the domain. Unless you will never, never, never go beyond your one site, then actually it's a good idea to go for the town because mm-hmm. it can be helpful for SEO. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, pick something kind of general that um, you can use and you know, a good place to check. Pick one would be, um, you know, we've got the store brand marketplace where we've kind of yeah, yeah, we've yeah. built all these brands already and we sell them so you can kind of just pick them off a shelf, find one you like and pick it. And uh, the idea of that again was just, I faced the problem four and a half years ago of trying to do all this work and yeah. we thought, well, we can get, we'll get a couple of designers to build a whole load at the same time yeah. and then somebody can just come and say, I want that one. Yeah. Again, it's another box of ticked to, for someone to get into it and stuff, something they don't have to worry about. I think I've seen Store Senor. I can't believe someone. Store Senor. No, no one's dot com. It. No, dot yeah. com. No one's took it yet. Unbelievable. I know. I know. I know. We've actually got a couple that we bought, I bought as a joke that I don't even have on there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, there's there's quite a few good ones on there. Another mistake I'll see often is container operators. More more so than indoor operators, I'll see is you know being full is normally a sign that you're you're actually your revenue is below where it could be. If you're full, like let's say you're charging. Uh, and I'll use the same example as earlier, but that would be £1,600 a year you'd mm-hmm. be charging for a, a 20-foot container. So let's say you're charging that and you're full and you've got 100 containers, they're all full. It might be the case that £10 is the price at which you hit 100%, but it might be the case actually that you can increase your price of £15 a square foot and still be 100% full. But if you're not trying and testing the pricing, mm-hmm. you'll never know. Think of how much money you're losing out on there yeah. by not increasing your price. And even then, maybe if you went up to £20 a square foot, Maybe you'd find that occupancy would go from 100% to 90%. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, actually, you're making even more money at, at 20 pounds a square foot, yeah. even though you're not full. It's important to shift it towards trying to get the right balance between the price and the occupancy levels so that overall you're optimizing for the revenue of the of the business. Definitely. You, you don't want to be topping out when you could be making just as much money at 85% occupancy rate. Always driving for, for more revenue completely yeah. makes sense. And then there's a difference also when it comes to pricing about and you're trying to fill the place mm-hmm. versus whenever you are kind of you know full. Let's say you're let's call ninety percent full for the first two years. Maybe while you're filling it, you know you might need ten new bookings a month every month for two years to get the place filled up. You take into account some people will start moving out as well. But once you are ninety percent, you don't need ten anymore. In fact, you can't take ten anymore unless, of course, you double stack. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, assuming that you're at maximum capacity with your containers, you don't need to, you just need replacement volume. So you might only need four a month now. So if it's only four as opposed to 10, your price can be higher again because you only need to get those four people. You don't need yeah. so many. So, you know, there's, there's different strategies as well, depending on where you are in the, in the kind of process of getting filled up. Going back to what you said as well about the, the, the name and stuff, you don't have to be called <laughs> Banbury self-storage. Mm-hmm. It's not about the, the name. You, there's, there's things you can do on a website, like your H1s and your, your H2s on the homepage. That's where you can drop in your location, your self-storage keywords, because that's what, Google's going to read when it looks at a website. You could be called just box self storage, but then you you land on the homepage and you've got Banbury self storage as your H one and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and you're going to rank. That's what we did for iBox. That iBox has got iBox.store. We went in there. We we put the in his H one self storage in Gribawick and 
after a few weeks, he's ranking the top of page one for, for that term and his range occupancy rate, like we said before, has gone up. Well, it's actually over 500% occupancy rate increase since we've done a bit of work on his website for him. So results to be had. Don't, 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 yeah, don't think too simply as like, I've got to yeah. be called location self-storage because no one's, no one's going to find me. Yeah, and you know more stuff about this than me. So that's a great interesting point. So yeah. what you're saying there is, and I would probably have made this mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if you get the domain name, it'll help. But what mm-hmm. you're saying is it doesn't, it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably sound like a hypocrite coming from Cleveland containers when we <laughs> but we did think years ago, do we change our name to I don't know, national container sales? Mm. But when you become quite big and stuff, it's it doesn't really matter what you're called. It's like Apple, they make computers. Yeah. It means nothing. Apple doesn't mean anything for towards like computers yeah. and stuff yeah. or phones. You put more keywords on your website, you're gonna you're gonna rank you're gonna rank better. As long as you don't go absolutely crazy and every single sentence has got Bambi self storage in Bambi self storage. You'll perform pretty well. But yeah, there's plenty of tools out there for, for anyone just to pick up pick it up and and start optimizing the website and stuff. But yeah, like I said, we've been there, we've we've done, we've helped I boxed and I think they had fifteen containers full when we uh sort of jumped in and give them a bit of a hand and now they're over a hundred full. So yeah, it's over five hundred percent increase wow. in, in like just three to four months I think we've been working with them. And they've they've just took some more containers. So yeah, we we continue working with them guys and, and helping them helping them out. If you put iBox site into page speed insights on mm-hmm. Google, generally we'll see and I imagine it's, it's always somewhere between eighty to ninety five mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. score. Yeah. If you put some of the bigger uh, self storage websites into page speed insights, you'll normally see like a score of 15 to 25. Yeah. So, you know, although we don't create the content, we have built, a part of our platform is built around, you know, being a really clean piece of technology that's very performant. Yeah. That is fast. So, that, you know, all of our customers have websites that are yeah. very, very fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that helps massively with SEO as yeah. well. And mobile optimize as well. Yeah. So many people today, especially for a local service like self-storage or similar to, I don't know, the, I need new tires in my car. You'll just Google it on your phone. You yeah. You're not really going to go to a laptop and search out sort of stuff. You want it. You want it there and then doing so. Being mobile optimized, which all store sites are, is makes a difference. It's a good point because uh, over half of the, so like we take I don't know if it's thousands or hundreds mm-hmm. uh, of bookings a day through yeah. all of our customers' websites. And, you know we handle all those, and over half of them come through mobile. Yeah. And then with, we recently released One Minute Movements. Mm-hmm. The idea of that is people can come to your gate. Yeah. Get their phone out of the box. Yeah. 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 Go to the website and within one minute have a code and have the gate open. And yeah. Um, the whole idea of that is just again is to help start uh, help operators if they want to you know run the business as efficiently as they possibly can. Yeah. Let people do that. Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, there's all sorts of important ways to you know think about mobile your mobile experience. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We we can see like seventy percent of our inquiries come from mobile, so we yeah. think mobile first when we design a website, right? And then, yeah. and, then, and then desktop and stuff. Just because yeah, <laughs> we can see where, where our traffic and conversions come from. Well, a lot of people think with with self storage, and if they're if they're if they've been going, they've got fifty boxes down. They're thinking, right, it's, it's getting too time consuming. Them, they're nervous to sort of take a plunge and move to a system like Stora. But I know how quick and easy it is to move to Stora. I'm speaking to you before, so, but I don't know if you just wanna you wanna give us a sort of a rundown of if if I'm an existing Stora, I'm I'm, saying I'm working off a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I want to move to Stora. How how easy is it? Well, if you're working off a spreadsheet. It's it's as easy really as just giving us the spreadsheet, mm-hmm. and this is this has happened a lot. So this happens increasingly. So we have an onboarding team who often will do a lot of this work. But um, there are normally um, three considerations. Well, okay, let's say four. One is um, we need a customer list, so people will often have that in their spreadsheet. Uh, if we have that spreadsheet, we can upload it into Stora. So all your customers are in Stora. Then there's also how much is that customer paying, and on what interval. So maybe it's you know hundred pounds a month, mm-hmm. and it's on the fifteenth of the month every month. 
10 pounds a week, whatever it might be, we need that information as well. But often that'll be in the spreadsheet too. Those two things most people will have and they can just say provide to us and then we can get those into the store system. Mm-hmm. The two final things to consider are, um, number one is, are payments currently being processed? So if you're at the moment sending people invoices in the post or letting them pay by bank transfer or sending them by email, store can just instantly from, you know, let's say we're going live on the first of next month, well, just from that date onwards, just do that for you. So and just send the invoices out. But let's say you're using a direct debit solution or a, like a, like you're taking payments by card. Like if you've got 500 customers and they've already set, uh, got uh, give you their card details, you don't really want to have to call all those 500 customers and get their card details again. Mm. So what we'll often do there is we'll work with the card provider. And if you're already using Stripe, easy. If you're using somebody else, then there's a transfer process. So we'll normally work with you to get your, the card details from some other provider onto your onto a new Stripe account. Mm. And that, that's actually a relatively simple thing to do. You just need to tell them. If you're an operator and you've got you know, a lot of customers in a different payment solution, card provider, it's, it is, it, that doesn't take time. What does take time then is once you've got them into Stripe, we then connect in-store. We connect each of the customers to their Stripe account. And that then allows us to process the payments against that card. Mm-hmm. That's the third thing. That's We're starting to get into like the thing you need to be really careful on, which is payments and invoicing. Yeah. Um, so we've got the customers in. We've got, we know how often they're invoiced. Uh, and our system is going to start creating the invoices. And if the card details are in there, then we start to collect the payments. So ideally, and in most situations, there are no customers are contacted, no customers are disturbed. And all of a sudden, from you know, day one, we're uh, raising invoice and running the payment. And uh, we've done now maybe 10 quite big conversions where we've kind of taken 500 to 1,000 customers and done this for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we've, we've never yet uh, had an invoice wrong or a payment go wrong. As far as I'm aware, so you know, it's we've we've never that is the key thing. We don't want to be accidentally charging some customer fifteen thousand pounds. And then the final thing, so uh, the final thing to take care of then is uh, access. So if you've got a gate system and everybody in your place has codes, mm-hmm. that's the other thing. You don't want to be changing codes or messing up people's codes. So you have to transfer that across as well. So normally work with Bearbox or PTI or whatever it is. Just work with them to get that transferred across. So those are four things. The first two are really easy and really quick. The final two, we do a lot of the work. In fact, we do most of the work there in the background. We're trying to minimize your staff's time and we're trying to make sure the customers aren't hassled. So we've done it loads of times. It works well. Um, I was chatting to a customer two weeks ago who said, you know, Stora has transformed our business. Mm-hmm. Being able to open more sites and be able to grow the business because they've, they've freed up so much time. You know, I think it, it is it is worth it. Yeah. But also it's 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 not too hard. Yeah. If you're a new operator, mm-hmm. It can be done. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, like, yeah. it's so simple. Yeah. It can just be done immediately. Yeah, we, we, were, we were speaking last year at the Foundation Show and a show we go to and there's a lot of new self-stores come there and stuff and we were, it was when we just launched Box Plus and the big thing we were saying to people was, do you know there's things like this out there that can literally just do it for you? Just mm-hmm. It's that scalable, so it starts off really cheap. It's your website, it's your management software, it'll, it'll do your, your invoice and it'll take your payments and stuff. And they had no idea that something like that existed. That was almost like the key to them fully unlocking the self-storage door of them actually just going and starting a self-storage business. Gets people excited about starting a self-storage yeah. business. Well, I think it just it just makes it so that no matter what size your business, you think your business will become, mm-hmm. I would see us as taking care of sort of digital automation. And then if you add in the layer of physical automation, stuff that allows people to come and go from the site themselves, mm-hmm. those two things together are what create the opportunity mm-hmm. to open up a self-storage business that yep. can can run profitably. So those two things together 
or, or actually what I think is driving this new wave of growth and self-storage in the UK and yeah. across Europe, all of a sudden you can build lots of small sites and mm-hmm. they can work. And I know some people were doing it before and I'd find ways to do it, but just at scale now you can, you can yeah. do it. And I think for anybody that wants to get into business or has money to invest in self-storage yeah. is one of the best places, mm-hmm. I think, from a returns point of view, to be putting money. Yeah. You can see from the uh, Sarah Paul that comes out it's a billion pound industry now in the UK mm-hmm. and it's growing every year. They're still building new houses. There's new houses put on all the time with no garages, no lofts done out. People don't like to throw things away. They're going to need self-storage. So yeah, why, why wouldn't you get into it if, if you can? So in your experience, what are some quick wins you found in self-storage? One thing we'd sometimes see is um, people who've been operating for a while not selling insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, there's no you don't have to sell insurance, but mm-hmm. there are a few big benefits to selling insurance. Number one is... Um, you're protecting yourself in the event of something going wrong because if something does go wrong, your customers will definitely think that you are liable for the mm-hmm. fact that you haven't looked after their stuff. Yeah. My roof leaked in my first site mm-hmm. and it fell onto into about three units. And one of them, it fell into a pile of boxes which belonged to a guy who had been collecting music memorabilia for decades. It caused tens of thousands of pounds of damage. And thank God I'd sold insurance and they'd taken out insurance. Mm-hmm. So I was so lucky. But if they hadn't got insurance, they, it was clear from the way they asked that they expected me to be like looking after this for them. Mm-hmm. And the second, possibly more attractive benefit is generally it will be a 10% boost to your revenue. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you're making 100 grand a year on your self-storage, you can add 10 grand to that of insurance sales. And the margin on that is 80 to 90%. So mm-hmm. you're talking about, let's say you have 100 grand of revenue, 30 grand of profit. You start selling insurance, you're going to get about 38 grand of profit. You're going to grow your profits by like 20, 30% mm-hmm. just from turning on insurance sales. Mm-hmm. If you're using Stora, it's as easy as just flicking the switch and it's done. So, so yeah, find a way to sell insurance. I should say, uh, uh, depending on who you go with, it's no longer called insurance. It's called like uh, some sort of protection product. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely look into that. That's, that's a quick win because, you know, it's, it's a very profitable thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been very wary of the idea of selling boxes and packaging. If you've got a reception with staff, maybe it brings people in mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe it gets them to book storage. But, you know, I think if, you, if you're trying to run it a bit more remotely, I would definitely not bother with any of that stuff. I mean, um, I think like the locked storage accounts, it's very small. It's 1.5% of their annual revenue. Mm-hmm. It's, they have cost of goods. You have, have to buy the stuff in advance. It sits there for months. It's not going to add much. I mean, it won't add anything to your revenue probably, mm-hmm. um, but it will definitely add a lot more to your time and costs. And uh, I was on at the Fidesz event last year in Portugal. I was on stage with a guy who just that week sold his 100 sites in America for $500 million. And somebody asked this question, should we sell packaging? Mm-hmm. He said, well, I never sold packaging in any of my sites ever. I'll yeah. take his advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but but it, I understand there's an argument for it. But I think in most cases that, that argument doesn't really stand up to scrutiny and I just yeah. wouldn't bother with the hassle. You know, sell additional hours access. You'll probably add three, four, five percent of revenue that way. Maybe sell some contract flexibility. I know some people charge extra for having no no notice period. I would stay away from boxes and packaging and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever dabbled in anything like the? Uh, I've seen a lot of people now is the uh, free move-ins. Basically, like they've got a couple of vans and they'll come and pick mm-hmm. up stuff for free. Have you done anything like that? Or I would say self storage mm-hmm. is storage that you do yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've only ever wanted to be in self storage. If you start getting into moving people's stuff, you kind of go into removals and mm-hmm. self-storage and it tends to be low-margin business. It's it's obviously it's, you have to spend a lot of time doing it. You're also uh, handling people's goods. So, you know, somebody's piano falls over or whatever. <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, 
available for that. So what, what I did do yeah. on my side was I offered free van hire. Mm-hmm. So I partnered up with a local van hire company and I'd pay them like 40 pounds. Yeah. So my customers would go to them, bring their documents and they handled it. I, I've reintroduced that recently to try and yeah. help some more sales. So I think that was a, that maybe maybe worked. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably a good compromise. It's a logistical business really mm-hmm. then and um, it can work. I just, yeah. uh, I, it just wasn't something I did in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you touched on it earlier, but have you got any big developments coming coming soon? Or our focus at the moment is is features to try and help our customers <clears throat> to um, grow their revenue more quickly. Yeah. So there's different ways to do that. One is get more customers on the website to mm-hmm. pay online. Like so, working on that funnel. So we're doing a lot of work at the moment on our website product and our checkout flow. So our conversion rate at the moment is around three point two percent. That's for every visitor, yeah. for every thousand visitors, yeah. thirty two customers. Which is about double um, what I've heard from other UK mm-hmm. operators who are not using Stora. So it's still it's already good, but we want to get it higher. You increase the basket size. So we're also working then on these upsell products and ways to uh, increase how much they spend with you yep. uh, at the time of booking and monthly going up, going forward. The third thing is I've become a little bit obsessed with pricing and self storage and how to optimize your pricing and the, all the different parts. It's very complicated when you really get into mm-hmm. it. But one of the first things we're going to do is an automated price increase tool. So you know, a lot of the big operators will constantly be reviewing prices. Maybe there's some rules like six months after somebody moves in, increase the price by 10%. Mm-hmm. And every nine months from then on, increase by another 5% or whatever it might be. So we're building a tool in store that will allow you to set those rules. And then our system will just take care of that for you. All those things combined, you know, we're hoping that we can help operators with you know, 100, 100 containers. Just from these features, we want to help them to grow to 110, 120 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just from us developing new features. So that's our current um, our current focus. You know, going forward a year or two from now, this is just so many big opportunities. I would love to be able to build uh, some really advanced pricing tools. There's just so many opportunities there that EasyJet or whoever it might be, mm-hmm. or Booking.com use to try and upsell you. Yeah. Things. You know, you're you're booking a flight, and there's the obvious one with like business class versus economy. But yeah. there's also like economy, and then there's do you want to board first? Yeah. Do you want to bring more bags? There's just so many opportunities like that in self stores that nobody's really doing. And unless you're big yellow or one of the really big guys, you can't really even almost afford to do it. I'd love to get to the point where we're really getting really deep into those sort of upsell features, but also it's hard to know what how to price your units. Really, really hard. Mm-hmm. But I want to get to the point where because we've got thousands of visitors every every day to different sites all around the UK, mm-hmm. I want to be able to um, measure live demand for self-storage mm-hmm. in southeast of England. What's it, what is it today? And we can use data to say, well, you know, today we've had 55 visits in that in the Edinburgh area versus yesterday it was 23. And this time that this day last year it was I don't know, 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers maybe need to be bigger, but use that data to, to be able to, to spot changes in demand because demand is always changing. And then use that data to help our operators to price, live price more effectively. Yeah, There's so much that can be done, but you need to get to a certain scale Yeah, to be able to do it. You need the data, yeah. You need the data. Yeah. Exactly. It's and a bit you- like AutoTrader when you list a car on there. It'll tell you if it's a good price or a high price to then right. price your car right because it's mm-hmm. looking at all your data. But also good for Auto Trader because their product becomes so much more useful. And it's They're shifting a, more cars, and it's same yeah. for, it could be the same for self storage. If they're pricing right, price yeah. too high, they're not going to get money. So it's find that sweet spot, and it's all about, yeah. Any any anything more you can do with a, with a data collection point of view and yeah. help people. It's just better, yeah, just like imagine if you could log into our, mm-hmm. you, know, you log into your store account, and you know we, we're able to say 
we have data to suggest that you know you, you're the price that you're selling your twenty food containers at, you know, mm-hmm. two hundred pound a month. Our data suggests that can be two hundred and seventy pounds a month, mm-hmm. and it won't affect demand. Yeah, click here to change the price, and our system just does it for you. Just tell us to do that automatically. We just constantly are changing your prices up and yeah. down based on demand. Yeah, it's like you switching it. Like you know, email you, so you can get a cheaper price. But again, it's all just based on on on, on the data and stuff. So. Yeah, being really good having you in today, Gavin. It's been covered a lot of good stuff. You know, hearing you know all the things going on in the store, um, what you can do for self storage is, is is mega. Again, hearing all the things that are coming and stuff, it's just going to constantly evolve, grow. Yeah, just thanks for coming. I'm sure we'll catch up at. An SSA event in the in the near future. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Awesome. Cheers. Chatterbox was brought to you by Cleveland Containers, the UK's leading supplier of new and used shipping containers and the largest supplier to the container self-storage market. If you're looking to enter the self-storage industry or streamline and expand your current site, talk to us about Box Plus, our one-stop service that can provide you with everything you need to set up and run a simple, remotely operated and profitable self-storage business. For more information, head to clevelandcontainers.co.uk and follow us on social media for more content on all things shipping containers and self-storage.